Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Happy our Monday. first edition of the Working Title Fun Guys podcast with Robbie Giuliano, live from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Grant Burkhart. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you know us in some form or fashion. Robbie, man, what's going on? I'm in the middle of a parking lot in downtown Cleveland, gazing at the gorgeous Cleveland skyline. That's approximately one building. <laughs> Looking at one, yeah. Just right there. It's a nice one. They light it up and everything. So <laughs> it's like the Eiffel you Tower. Know. It's like the Eiffel Tower in Cleveland. I'll tell you what. It kind of is a little block here. It's the Key Bank Building, which I don't know if that's really like a widely used bank anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure PNC and Chase have it covered most everywhere. So the one one of the things I want to talk about, but in a second, is what it's like to be a Cleveland sports fan. It's got to be riveting right now. Uh, it's something else. You know, I live um, I live very close to the Brown Stadium, and uh, too close to the Brown Stadium. The Factory of Sadness, correct? Yes. And uh, it's I live kind of in between the Brown Stadium and the Indian Stadium, and kind of across the street from the, the new casino in town, which is where <laughs> we're halfway through a Browns game or Indians game. You kind of see the pilgrimage <laughs> <laughs> of just downtrodden, depressed fans. From said game to casino, and it's ugly, buddy. It well, is not pretty. We saw the same thing in Detroit. Man, was that city depressing? Really? Oh, when we went oh, up, you want the Lions like that? Well, we went Boy. up for the we went up for the MAC championship. So this is early December with two raucous fan bases in uh, Northern Illinois and Ohio University, and it, that town was just. There was just nothing happening. Right, yeah. Not a peep, huh? No, I think the Lions well, were know, either the Lions were either off that week or away that week, and people just couldn't have cared less. Well, the the, the real irrational thing about Cleveland is that the Brown Sundays are they're never quiet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know the Cleveland's famous for the Muni lot. Everyone goes there and gets too drunk to really make it to the game, and you know makes awful life decisions. And now that we have the now that we have the casino, it just adds another decision. The no, see, probably not good. It can't but, be a uh, good thing to have a casino next to a river. Right, right. And but you know what? I think it's kind of put a little charge in the Cleveland economy, which is nice because I you know I know it's overplayed, but the LeBron thing really did kind of take some wind out of yeah, sure. downtown. Yeah. And, and I think we're we're coming on to a renaissance in everything but sports. <laughs> I was going to say. If that's we're good. If that's, if that's the case. If that's what we're sacrificing, let's, let's talk real world. I, if we're sacrificing sports, that's fine. I was I was going to say, that did, that sounded a little wrong. And then and then you included except for sports, and then it was very right. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, not, not much going on. Northern Ohio's not having a good year just in general, and you experienced it firsthand this past weekend, didn't you? Right. Um, it's kind of crazy how it's been. The Indians have just been in this absolute, complete, like, straight-down, top-throw dragster free fall of late. And <laughs> it's it's been completely unnoticed. No one's really cared or noticed. And I've seen a lot of bad days in Cleveland sports. Even since I moved downtown in July. I mean, I'm, I'm from here, been a Cleveland sports fan my whole life, so I've seen a lot of that. But, like, Thursday was, quite frankly, one of the most awful days in Cleveland sports. I think 
early in the day, the Indians who have just, I mean, I don't know their records since All-Star break. It's somewhere in the ballpark of like 20 and 50 or <laughs> if they've won 20 games. Well, they fired their manager with six games to go because that makes, you know, all kinds of sense. And <laughs> they, <laughs> they were... <laughs> They were having, like, I guess, exit meetings, like end of the year, you know, evaluations. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just the comedy, the whole thing's unbelievable. (laughs) And they fire Manny Acta, the manager that they plucked from uh, last place, Washington, four years ago, who got us right back into last place. And it was a, no one really knew. It was unbelievable because the Browns really own this town. Even you know, even when LeBron's here, hate to say it, Browns on the town. Mm-hmm. LeBron had a lot of the younger fan fan base. It just so happened that the Browns got to play the Ravens in Baltimore on Thursday night, right after Art Modell died. Yeah, and you know they got the, the still Art Modell kind of year long tribute there, and people aren't aren't too happy with the whole Modell thing. Not gonna lie, I was just getting into sports when the Browns moved little guy, so I'm a little less, you know, I've been raised to, you know, have a distaste for Modell, but, sure. so there was that kind of thing, and then there's the whole, like, I, I, I like to say this because I think it's actually true, I think the Ravens are required to have a pick six against the Browns <laughs> yeah. every time they play them. This time, <laughs> I think I think you made the point this week that it, it wasn't Ed Reed because he chose to not do it. That's just what I was going to say. I, I, I came up with this theory that Ed Reed's just like passing off the responsibility. He's a little <laughs> sick of it. They've also, they've also not even come close to meeting Joe Flacco, which is one of the most mediocre things you could ever imagine. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, of course, the NFL Network's running the 95 Browns story on Wednesday <laughs> night, which I think concurs with the end of the Indians' miserable season. This is so wonderful. So, yeah, it's it's just the perfect storm of, you know, worthlessness, really. And and, and Brandon Whedon had a shot at the end of the game in Baltimore. I oh, he threw it, it into the – he threw it into oh, row it double L. 15 rows deep. <laughs> it was the most – it just kept rolling. It was sailing, man. That was unbelievable. Uh, My favorite thing about the uh, a football life, Browns 95 – is the yeah. wording. And I mentioned before we went on that I, I had something that I thought was really funny about it. And um, it's this line. Okay, so they go through the interviews and you understand that, okay, all these great coaches were on the staff in Cleveland in 95 when, when, the, when Modell right. moved the Browns. And, and, uh, and the line goes something like this. It says, Bill Belichick's won three Super Bowls. Nick Saban's won national championships. And then there's like a little, there's like a split-second pause and then it flashes to a clip of Kirk Ferentz, who's the coach out here in Iowa where I'm working Kirk now. Ferentz. And the voicer says, and what Kirk Ferentz has done. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> national championships, Super Bowls, and then there's what Kirk Ferentz has done. We, he's out in Iowa. We don't have any idea what he's done. <laughs> well, they threw Jim Schwartz in there. But I'll tell you what, Grant, I, I was going to mention this because – you know, I I have always loved Kirk Ferentz, and I honestly now that the paternal has come to pass, and you know, I I, I think that Kirk Ferentz is the class coach of the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I agree I, with that. Outside of Urban Meyer, <laughs> I mean, he's the most proven coach in the Big Ten. I the, what he has done 
at Iowa over the years has always, I've always just kind of had this like root for Iowa kind of instinct because I, 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 I'm one of the rebellious guys. I know I don't, you know, automatically cheer for LSU because I live in Ohio. Well, you know, you know why you like Iowa, and I've had this theory for a long time, is because well, is because you're from Cleveland, and Cleveland is very much the style that Iowa plays. And it's also, and this right. is this is the thing that always gets me in trouble with Browns fans, is I always say that Pittsburgh and Cleveland are so alike that that's why they hate each other. They, it's true. It's working class towns. It's blue collar people. People that just adore their football teams. And Pittsburgh will always be a Steelers town, no matter what team is good at that point. And it's yeah. it's kind of the same thing that happened with LeBron. Like the Penguins with Crosby and Stahl and Malkin got a lot of the younger generation. They got me fired up. The Pirates have kind of done the same thing, but it's always going to be a Steelers town. And people get really, like, when, outside of you guys who know me, and I bring this up and I say Cleveland and Pittsburgh are a lot alike, the only difference is that, and I don't mean this in any bad way, but that, that Pittsburgh's won championships. And it's like that Cleveland's this, like, kind of sexually repressed city and Pittsburgh's a little bit freer because yeah. they've won. That's the, like, that's the only difference. Those fan uh, bases are so similar. You guys have won a lot. Yeah. We've not won. So, but you know, Jim Brown. We we have a new owner on the Browns part of the whole circuit. He's coming in this month. You know, our, <laughs> our owner, our owner stole the team during training camp. <laughs> you know, just oh my God. to find the odds of timeliness. But Jim Brown's back with the organization, so I guess that's a good sign. But it's it's irrelevant. You know, my big tie to Iowa. I'm not going to lie. One of the things I'm kind of notorious for, and I mean to say notorious, because I I don't regard it as a particularly good thing to be known for, <laughs> but I'm known for taking an obscure college quarterback and just riding the Heisman campaign. You start, you start it. You're the first, bus driver. Yeah. Yeah, and the first person I ever did it for was one Drew Tate. Yep. The little guy with his visor on at Iowa, and. The first year I did it, he threw that Hail Mary in the Capital One Bowl to beat LSU. Yeah. And he's running around with his helmet off like an idiot. I just celebrated like an idiot. I forget who, I can't remember who that receiver was. That we, you that. know what's funny is we just had our show here tonight, and we had one of the linemen on from that team. And I, I can't remember the name of the receiver, but I've watched the play like five or six times already today. And it was it, it was magical. That was one and, of the most bizarre. It was one of the most bizarre hail marys I've ever seen because it wasn't a hail mary. It was just a normal, a, long pass. a normal go route, and LSU completely blew the coverage. It was it was incredible. And then I went on to I when Russell Wilson was at North Carolina State, I jumped on his bandwagon. Yep. And it turns out now he's a starter in the NFL for now. Um, were you were you on a Ricky Stanzi bandwagon too, keeping with the Iowa quarterback theme? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, after Drew Tate, I have a little soft spot for for Iowa quarterbacks. I think Not you would. I think you would have one for James Vandenberg. I really do. Yeah, he's I kind mean, of the same mold. He's like not good, but he's <laughs> he's he like he's so mediocre. You know, like he his lines every week. He barely ever throws an interception. But his lines every week are like 18 of 28 for like 218 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, but Ferentz teams aren't going to come out there and overwhelm you. That's yeah, another yeah. thing I love. I, and you know what? That place is one of the coolest places. It's it's one of the coolest places to kind of watch a football game. Yeah. Happen. I remember when Sean Green was there and they were all green. Yeah. They wore green t-shirts for yep. his Heisman campaign. I mean, you can tell they just love it there. Oh, they and do. They, they live it all they have. Here. 
it's not like they have a protein. Right. You know, right. I, so that's what they want. That's what the magic of college football is. And I think that's why, I think that's have. why we both, like, even, even before I came out to work here, that's why I kind of liked Iowa the same way, is because they uh-huh. they were, that's a, this is a football state. You know, when everybody lives and dies with the Hawkeyes, just like everybody in Pittsburgh and Cleveland live and die with the Steelers and the Browns. You know, it's the right. same kind of, and like Kirk Ferentz is from 10 minutes from my house. And so he kind of brought that same, you know, we're going to run the football, we're going to run the football, we're going to play hard-nosed defense. You know, it's the same It's the same attitude. And that's why we both, I don't know, that's kind of why we both like him, even before I came out to work here and... Grant, is it bad that I mean? Is it bad that Iowa? You know, I take an inherent joy in just watching bad football. And is it bad that Iowa just? I mean, they're not. They're having kind of a down year this year. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching the highlights, the extended highlights of Iowa, Iowa State this year. Because oh. anytime, anytime you can decide it on field goals, I'm all in with it. <laughs> anytime a rivalry game ends nine six. Yeah, there's something compelling about terrible football. There's Auburn, Mississippi State from four years ago when Tommy Tuberville was still at Auburn. Three to two <laughs> game, my favorite college football game of all time. So what I did this weekend was I went out and I sought uh, local bad football. I, this, I is a great, this is a great idea. Weekend. Yeah, worthless football weekend, and and you got to do it right. And I'm thinking about planning another one for a couple weeks from now, but what I did was um, is we're Mac people over here in the Midwest. If you, if you want to see bad football, um, you don't know, kind of have state games, you go to Mac games. Yep. And um, I went to Akron, Miami of Ohio, Ooh. and then I went to a Division Two game that featured uh, Akron's ex-quarterback. He went uh, t- I think two and twenty-two over two years there, and now he's zero and five in Division Two. <laughs> so, so I went to catch to see how he was doing, and he was throwing interceptions five yards away from the line of scrimmage. So oh. everything was good there. Um, but yeah, so that that's my thing, and I, I I'm not one to turn down a game like that Iowa Iowa State. Patrick boy, nicely. Oh Patrick nicely is the guy you're talking about, and we had a conversation today that I think is worth mentioning. Is he the worst Division One quarterback of all time? I said NCAA because if he listen, he's zero and four or zero and five in Division Two after going two and twenty two, and that's match. and that's not FCS. We're talking Division Two. Division. This is faithfully Division Two, and really in his conference, if he doesn't start winning, his conference is a bunch of D three. Recently came up to D two schools, oh boy. local Ohio schools. So you know, long story short, the kid he played against this week, his counterpart at quarterback, uh, went played with me in high school and did a sixty eight to twenty one game, nicely and nicely in Lake Erie College loss. <laughs> but but Akron and Miami was something else. Now I, I have a question about these Iowa, you know. Iowa or Iowa State game, even Northern Iowa. Did they serve beer at football games out there? Uh, actually, no. Games? I don't think at Kinnick. I don't think they serve beer at Kinnick. Okay, like Akron, I think is to the point now where they have a world. They seriously, honest to God, the Maxwell is a world class football facility. I mean, they had they had fan ambassadors and yellow vests outside. Just how you doing? That's their job. Literally, they're 100 feet away from the stadium. 
they intercept you coming in. You can't, like, get around them without interacting with them. And I go, how's it going? How you doing today? Oh, hey. God. That's like what it's like to go to Wrigley Field, yeah. Right. So, but, but they still can't draw a crowd. They probably can't even pay for their, you know, fan ambassadors, however much that costs. I mean, once you pay, you're in labor. But <laughs> they started selling beer. Really? Yeah. And it's not, we're not talking, I mean, we're not slamming old Milwaukee's. We're not, we're not talking Keystones. We're talking Landshark Lager. Wow. Talking Yingling. I mean, Yingling Draft. I mean, Akron kind of is going all in with it. And I, I always thought it might have been an NCAA thing that you can't really serve alcohol at college football games. No, you can. So it's just, it just happens that the schools we've been to don't. Do you think Terry? Do you think Terry Bowden made that decision so he could buy beer during the game? He it would probably help <laughs> get through some things. Yeah, Terry Bowden is he is a ball. That's the only real adjective for him. He's just I, he can't be taller than five two, and he can't be lighter than two fifty. <laughs> from just from the eye test. On. Unbelievable. It's until you see him in person, I guess you really don't get a chance to realize. But hey, it's amazing what, you know, he's there. He's a big name. He's a Bowden, right? Yeah, he's, yes, he Amato, is. He's a Bowden, yeah. Chuck Amato is running their defense, oh, boy. which got torched, I think, 550 yards. Gave up, 50, gave up 56 points, but only lost by seven. Yeah. And then Terrell Buckley, that was a blast from the past. Former Patriot safety. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that name. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. He's he's on the defensive coaching set, so they're coming around. So Bowden Bowden pulls his pulls his pro football connections to build a a a staff of a small D one college. I'm watching out for that in the next. I was going to say if you if they're putting up if you're putting up 49 points, I don't care if you win or lose, something's going right. It's like it's impressive. like Baylor. Baylor's doing something right, even if they can't literally they they would be better off playing with five guys on defense. Yeah, Geno Smith, that kid just I, he didn't stop like throwing completions slash touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I was a little worried about him. Uh, we need to get him checked out. He's just falling on my phone. People were people were tweeting that it was video game numbers, but I've never in my life thrown for six hundred and fifty six yards in a video game. Eight touchdowns, no picks, and hardly had an incompletion. The best tweet I saw all day said that the 45 and 51, 45 completions and 51 passes, it said something yeah. like, I couldn't complete 45 of 51 passes if I was in my backyard throwing the ball up in the air and catching it myself. <laughs> like, I would, dro- I would drop seven passes. It, it really, that is really incredible. Yeah, that's the, the that's the best part of that. Defense. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a de facto Heisman leader for sure right now. Yeah, not even a, not even an option. He's he's ridiculous. And you know what? You know what? The funny part for me is, you know, <laughs> you, I start you start to hear these whispers around Cleveland when someone like, we had this RG three last year. It's like we're automatically thinking, oh man, you know, going to be a Brown next year. Fucking <laughs> quit it, dude. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, even if it's conceivable, like RG three was this year, we still got outbid for him, and you know, yeah, 
So it, Boy, how's that Brandon Whedon look, man? I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, <laughs> not good. You know, he's reminded me from day one of Derek Anderson. Yeah, oh, very much so. Big arm, not afraid to go for it, but man. Just well, you awful. Just two or three mistakes that'll kill you will happen. And, you know, and you're throwing him into a fire. He's a rookie. Again, I don't think I don't think we're going to have the same coach, team president, GM once the new owner comes in. <laughs> I hate to say this year was a wash and we're throwing away a year, but what are, what are, what are the last twelve years? You know, I think I think it's I think you're going to have a different quarterback next year. I think you're going to be drafting another quarterback next year, and that's horrible. That's just uh, sad. It, it's like it I think that would be worse. And this is a this is a bold statement because this one got a lot of press. But I think it would be worse than Detroit taking four straight first-round wide receivers and failing on three of them. <laughs> the Browns taking another quarterback? Yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. I, you know, I don't think since Tim Couch, I don't think the Browns have taken a top-ten quarterback, have they? Um, Colt McCoy was a, a later quarterback. He was Brady third Quinn round. was a later yeah. Later pick. I mean, you know, the Browns haven't really gone in for the franchise guy since Couch. And you know what the sickening and saddening thing is about Cleveland at this point? There's a lot of them, but go ahead. <laughs> the, this offseason, Couch was getting like local radio, local no TV way. interviews. People miss Tim Couch right oh, now. Oh, man. Yeah, because I think. Robbie, well, that's horrible. We made the, play- the last time we made the playoffs was a Tim Couch and Kelly Holcomb combined effort. Couch got hurt. Yeah, and, and then there was Holcomb. the and then the first round of the playoffs, you guys had the big lead on the Steelers and blew it. In in the snow against Tommy Maddox and Kelly <laughs> Tommy Holcomb Gunn. Threw for, he threw for more yards than Cleveland's ever seen a quarterback throw for. <laughs> and we still lost the game. And yeah. then we went 10-6 and six one year. And didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah, it's, it's didn't it's been a didn't you lose on the year. final week of the season to not make the playoffs that year? No, no, we needed we needed. Uh, I think what, what was the Jim Sorgi just win Jim <laughs> to leave <laughs> to leave another great another playoffs. great Big Ten quarterback. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We needed him to leave the. Indianapolis backups over Tennessee to make the playoffs, and he almost did. <laughs> and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee kicked a game-winning field goal. It was it out. was the Vince Young year. I remember watching that game. Yes, yes. So it, you know, it was just a, it was another one of those Cleveland moments. But I'll tell you what, you know, the the guy in this town right now, the guy is Kyrie Irving. As okay. he should be. And Joe Hayden, who's on an Adderall suspension right now, <laughs> which, you know, has, has Roger Goodell ever gone to college? Did he go to college? Has he ever been to college? I don't know. Apparently Joe Hayden thinks he's still in college. You know, I, yeah. I, didn't Garrett Hartley, a kicker, get suspended for Adderall? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Hayden's, Hayden's a big guy around here, and... um. Definitely Kyrie. A lot of excitement around Kyrie. Cavs draft. Ooh. Now there's, you know, we got this guy named Dion Waiters from Syracuse. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's, I mean, the, when every, anytime you get Fat Baron Davis comparisons right out of the draft, oh, God. I'm a little concerned yeah. right off the bat. I, I, you know what? It's funny. I think Cleveland, and this is not any fault of anybody's out there, but Cleveland fans are just, and impatient isn't the right word, I don't think, but it's, it's like really, it's really impulsive. And it's it's like two years ago, right? They took Kyrie with the number one overall pick, and they took what was it, Tristan Thompson with the fourth overall? Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. I, it just it doesn't matter. Tristan Thompson is a he's a bench player, a good, maybe energetic, contributing bench player in the National Basketball Association. Well, like, m- maybe. And I remember I I was curious. I looked up his numbers, and I don't remember off the top of my head, but he didn't have a terrible season. You know, obviously, somebody's okay. You're looking score. at it. You're looking at the fourth pick, but Some, somebody's got to score, though. That's true. I mean, yeah. we're looking at we're starting Omri Caspi right now oh for this past year. So, like, I mean, that's what you're looking at with Cleveland basketball. I, I you know, it's just gonna, it's going to depress me. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm going to switch subjects. You know what I miss about Peyton Manning being in Indianapolis? What's that? Knowing who his backup was and loving his backup more than I loved him. <laughs> the, the Curtis Painter, Jim Sorgi days. Curtis Painter and Jim Sorgi. I remember loving the fact that the Colts were like fourteen and one, and deciding to sit their starters because I could I could get to watch a Jim Sorgi game. And they had the best job maybe in America. Yeah, you're never going to get to play, but you're going to make right. bank. Right. And you're and you're you're always gonna look good, and when you come in, you're probably gonna win the game. And, and we coming into and we, ball off big and, and Robbie, we saw what happened when when Peyton was out. We saw it. We he goes out, and Curtis Painter goes. Curtis Painter goes two and fourteen. <laughs> oh, and yeah. that team, him and Dan Orlovsky, just looked terrible. It was it was pretty bad. Dan- and I never thought Orlovsky would see the league again after he ran through the back of the end zone. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, this, Dan, no I run out of the back of my own end he zone, was, Orlovsky. Oh, he was so naive and innocent. It was so cute. That's all it was. It was like, oh, look at Dan Orlovsky. Oh, how nice. He's in the game. He's probably going to the end zone. He still thinks he's got someone downfield <laughs> open. He didn't hear a whistle for five minutes, buddy. I think the refs stopped him. And he was like, "What had um, what had happened? What what? Where yeah, am I?" One of the best safeties in box score history. Yeah. Oh, without it was <laughs> one of the best. No one. It was one of the best calls in broadcasting history too. He runs out of the back of the end zone, and the and the Lions radio guy goes, "Oh,", oh and he oh, <laughs> just <laughs> he's he in just, the light. He's past the light. Oh. 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 oh man, that was classic. Can I ask a? Uh, I had, something's been weighing on me. A non-sports related question. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, fire away. I because you know you watch these NFL games and Lord knows it's got so commercialized that we're doing the the thing where we score a touchdown, go to commercial, and then we kick off an inevitable touchback and go to commercial. Yeah, because we're you know kicking off so close. We're practically kicking off from the fifty. Yeah. You know, we can walk the ball down to the end zone and just set it down. But I've I've been watching these commercials, and you know, you know, in sports, they really they they do a lot of these cross promotions with movies, and a lot of movie trailers show up. Sure. And 
I, you know, it's really starting to get to me. The more I see this preview, taken two. How did how did Liam Neeson's daughter get taken again? Oh, I love it, man. I figured she'd be in a cage, dude. I love it. I figured he's not letting her out of the. No, you know what the worst part is about that? And like, I'm going to go see it, and I'm going to love every minute of it. But if you're Liam Neeson, why are you in Istanbul? That's where this movie is. That's where they go, and these guys find him again. Why are you going outside of the United States? I don't understand. I, I don't think this... I, I figure his daughter doesn't have privileges to move. He doesn't leave her side for the rest of forever. Yeah. So, so what's he going to have to do? Is he going to have to, like beat his way through another organized crime. Another you know, Eastern division. European mob. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to love yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to love it. We all know what's coming here, right? We just can't. We won't help. We won't be able to help but watch it. It's the lore of a Jason Statham movie. Obviously, we love our Jason Statham movies. Yeah. It's the same clearly. thing. I mean, I, I mean, Neeson, has, he just has to go hog wild on another mob, I guess. I wonder when this Every started. Every few years... I wonder, I wonder when this started because we're now seeing, and this is one of my favorite trends in Hollywood, and it doesn't make for good movies, but it makes for great entertainment, is that you're seeing all these big-name actors just take these parts where they beat the shit out of people for, like, two hours. They're just killing people. Like, and it's, it's kind of gruesome. Like, Denzel Washington is there now. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's one of the best actors in the whole world. And he's now he's now taking roles... Where he just beats the living hell out of people for two hours. Hey, so it's like the race to see who could be the biggest like badass in film. Yeah, maybe that's and, a good. I think it's see. See, then they make the movies like The Expendables, where everybody's a big badass. Yeah, and I don't, and I and I love those movies, but I don't know who the biggest badass in Hollywood is. Is it Statham? It. Uh, I mean, we have to. I think I we have know. to preface with our history of Statham. So we went to see the Avengers. On midnight on Thursday, back in the spring, right? And we decided—I right. think the day of—I think we decided we were going to make it even better. We were going to go see. Safe a, beforehand. We were going to go see what we knew was, or what we thought we knew was going to be a terrible movie beforehand, so that well, yeah. the Avengers would be twice as good because we saw them back to back. Safe ended up being. Safe ended up being there. It, it won the night. It did. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. Safe took it. Took the cake. I mean, I I remember I, there's one of the girls that works with me, Chelsea McDonald. She loves the Avengers. It's her favorite movie ever, and I can't help but yeah. wonder if it would be mine too if I hadn't seen Safe beforehand. Yeah, I you know, at the point where Jason Statham stops the whole charade of just absolutely what what was he trach punching? Yeah, you know, he was the entire city, and he just decided to eat just a big hoagie sandwich. <laughs> just decided to just mow down on a sandwich while leaned up against the car for like they held it out to like kind of that awkward like hundred second range. Yeah, movie where <laughs> yeah. you're like, wow, he's really engulfing the sandwich, like really enjoying it. Didn't end up finishing it, but he it was almost like when he walked into the the next club where some of his boys were doing the dirty work, killing people. He just kind of walked in. Yeah. It was like this, it was almost like he wanted to digest his sandwich before he continued to <laughs> just plow through he, he had a human. Like, he had a human motorcade, yeah. He was, everybody else was doing his dirty work for him, and he was just like, he had one guy he needed to see, and he wasn't going to fire a single <laughs> shot until he got to him. No, yeah, he was going to let that sandwich, you know, go down, 
get back light on his feet again and they go back to work. But I guess my only problem is how many times is this trick going to get stolen? Taken. Yeah. I, you know what? How many times is Neeson going to have to do this? I think I'm saying as many times as it takes for Liam Neeson to kill all of Eastern Europe. Just the whole box, the whole yep. Soviet box. Just taking them all out. <laughs> Take all the corruption out. We're all we're leaving it all on Liam Neeson. Huh? Yeah, what, what you don't know is that Liam Neeson is actually Batman and that he has the nuke and he's just going to drop it on Eastern Europe. <laughs> he's. Have you seen The Dark Knight Rises? Because that's, that's, the, that's oh, the joke there. Yeah, the Dark, Knight, the Dark Knight Rises, the joke there was Heinz Ward returning a kick for oh, yeah. the touchdown. And the fact yeah, that it was obvious, that sure. Pittsburgh looks nothing like what Gotham is at all. Well, right, right, and and that they, they kept the Heinz the Heinz uh, logos up there. Oh, dude, I, the I gotta Did tell you, you and and I didn't I didn't feel this way. This is transitioning back to football, but I hate Heinz Field. Really? Oh, there's no. no I've always been a fan of their ketchup. Okay, the, the ketchup bottles, the ketchup bottles, bottles are a nice touch. But the only thing you've got to know about Heinz Field is I think the last yeah. the last Madden game I played was 2004, back when they had like uh-huh. Mike Vick was on the cover before the dog fighting stuff, and and you know, oh, like, yeah, the, you, you'd run like 60 yards backwards with them for a 20 yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you had like the quarterback vision that was like basically a, a, a like a flashlight, and you could direct it on the field, and it made yeah. you more accurate. Well, that was the last Madden game I played, and that was two years after Heinz Field was built. And uh-huh. the stadium's rating was already below average. <laughs> like, all these other, like, Reliance Stadium came out nearly the same time, and it was still, like, rated state-of-the-art. And then Heinz Field was below average. It was three years after being completed. It's a horrible, horrible facility. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, the worst team in Pittsburgh has, like, a great field. Oh, man. At PNC Park, because I do the Worthless Baseball Weekend, too. Nothing like a good kielbasa at PNC on Slovak Day. Well, there, you oh, know, I, just I, it up. I think the best series for you to go to your Worthless Baseball Weekend would have been, this past week, was Pirates-Mets. End of the year. Yeah, I think that was, I mean. You guys have your end of the year evals yet? No, 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 no. We no. We don't do that. We don't evaluate. We're, we're, have you, I don't know if you've heard this story because I'm I'm more in touch with Pittsburgh than I am with Cleveland, and you're more in touch with Cleveland than you are with Pittsburgh. But the Pirates are doing this thing where they're not practicing fundamentals, even though the worst, you know, one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. They are uh, the their director of scouting and their general manager are putting the players through Navy SEAL training. Wait, during the season? At the end of the season? At the end of the season, after the season is done. Oh, okay. Like, like leading up to spring training, I think. These guys are going to... Oh, okay. These right. professional baseball players... Are they going to have the chewing tobacco in their mouths while they're training? I don't know, but they're bringing in a team okay. of SEALs to train the Pirates. And, and, and like, maybe not on first glance, it doesn't look that bad, but you think about it. And uh, that does nothing for a baseball team. Nope. No. Can't think of much. Nothing at all. No, yeah. There's not a lot of movement in the sport. <laughs> no. Well, no, there is. You know, maybe it's a camaraderie thing, man. 
I don't know. They're getting blasted in the media about that stuff. It's like this is a, this yeah. is for as bad as Cleveland has been. The Pirates have been worse. In the, like the last thirty games, yeah, oh, yeah. their record is like seven and twenty-three. Yeah, you guys had quite a collapse because that was a legitimate playoff team. Like the other week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now all I'm thinking is I was so excited for the Pirates in the summer. And now all I'm thinking is. Man, if McCutcheon didn't hit like 400 with 25 homers in a month, they would be on pace to be the worst team in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was that's super totally good. That's what you guys are. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's hard to reconcile. Right now, you know, the baseball team here lacks a, a manager. Our highest paid players didn't play all year. Oh, um, yeah. Grady yeah, Sizemore. Actually, yeah, quite frankly, I don't think they've played in a few years. We haven't really seen them. You know, I live downtown, so like, I actually see some of these like professional athletes just like out and about. Yeah. So I saw Greg Little once this summer. Did you try to? Th- really did you throw an object guy. at him? No. <laughs> no, like I was wondering because I've never seen anybody drop passes more than him, even Braylon Edwards. Well, yeah, I was gonna say we had Braylon Edwards here a little while ago, so. And uh, uh, and I was, was wondering. We we have a friend who will go unnamed at this point who met Bill Buckner's nephew, and uh, and oh. and became that guy, and um, at least slightly yeah, inebriatedly threw something. threw a wallet between his oh. legs. Wow! Yeah, that's a low blow a little bit. I feel like I think so too. But I feel like if you met like if you saw Greg Little, there are people that would like toss him some object and see if he caught it. In Cleveland right now, yeah. Say so, yeah, he won't be. I won't be seeing him out on out on the town or out around. Let's leave it at that. I think. Yeah. Uh, not not a very forgiving bunch, but you know what? We don't. We don't have as fans. We don't have propensity to complain. I. It's unbelievable. You talk about that hail mary in in Seattle. It, people say that's the craziest thing they've seen. I. This is the town where people were throwing bottles at the real referees after a call that was right. Yeah. I don't think anyone remembers that. Like, they went back to the replay. They got the call right. The Brown lost. Uh, you know, Dwayne Rudd throwing his helmet. Yeah. <laughs> during a play. Just during the course of play. <laughs> just taking off his protective gear and throwing it. Turning it into basically a grenade. <laughs> like... You know, I the stuff that's that's gone down there. That's why the, you know, the Seattle thing was just funny to me. Oh man, was, I felt the same you know, way. I, um, I I I miss it already. I do too, man. I do. People around here, I do this. I do a podcast here at work with uh, with one Mike Bonner. It's a Patriots fan from Boston, and he went to Syracuse and all that jazz. Oh, so very orderly, and you know, expect success. I'm sure. Yes, yes, very much so, and it's very much the no, opposite of me. I I take the Louis C.K. route, and I don't feel like I'm entitled to anything, let alone good officiating. <laughs> and uh, and I I will never forget that that moment and that night because there's a few things that I love about it. One is that that was probably one of my top three favorite television moments ever in sports. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, like without a question, I mean, you could probably make a case that's number one. Sports center had 
near record ratings, I'm pretty sure. It was, right yeah, it was that. like the highest rating in 17 years. Unbelievable. So that's the first part. The second part is that Twitter, outside of when Osama bin Laden was shot, was never better than what it right. was that night. Right. It was ridiculous. Right. People were was, so funny. They were either really mad or really funny. Yeah, you know? and the people that were really mad were getting laughed at. Right. And that was the place that I loved being. Oh. But but I I don't think lost in all this is Pete Carroll. What a complete fun guy. (laughs) What a complete, total, comprehensive fun guy. The the one tweet I think I offered, maybe something about being a Browns fan and just, you know, wanting to replace the rest of the day. But, like, Pete Carroll went through that Marshawn Lynch run. Yeah. To like improbably, I think the Seattle was like 500 and in the playoffs. And they yeah, beat they beat. They had to beat St. Louis on Monday Night Football. Both teams were seven and eight to get into the playoffs. Right, and then the, the Bush push at USC. Yeah, against Notre Dame, another <laughs> one of the crazier, more controversial things. But you know what he does? He embraces it. Oh, he does. The, the shot of the shot it. of the official. Making the call after making the wrong call again after reviewing it, and Pete Carroll standing next to him and just tossing his hands in the air. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he was the best. He's the best. He's my favorite. People say he's kind of sleazy, like kind of a. I don't know. I I don't know. I see. I think he's a cross between like, like. He looks like Jay Leno, so I don't know why I think he's... But he he's like a cross well, between well, Jay Trevor. Leno and, and like some other college coach that's kind of friendly, but like only because he's he's like funny looking. I don't I don't know. I can't I yeah. can't totally put my finger on it. Well he's got Bill Clinton kind of uh Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's well. a combination yeah. of Bill Clinton and Jay and Jay yeah. Leno. And, and Bill Clinton just kinda of gets cooler. Every years go on. Yeah, people, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, he does. You know, like when he just went over to North Korea on a whim and just like brought those journalists home. Yeah, it's kind of everyone's like, "Oh, I see you, Bill." <laughs> all right, Bill. Yeah, I think he flashed a peace sign. Yeah, didn't inhale. It's all right, guys. <laughs> great guy. Uh, that's great. You know, I think we should start. Okay, so I think the working title works. We'll wrap this thing up. I think the working title works. I think it should be the Fun Guy podcast because we should designate an honorary fun guy every podcast. And I want to start designating a Dale. Designated Dale. Yeah, okay. Well, you've got to explain it. You've got to explain it. A Dale, well, a Dale can mean several things, but for for all intents and purposes, it's the goat on steroids. The (laughs) ultimate goat of the week is the Dale. Okay. Someone who's hardly functional in their worthlessness, normally in sports. Uh, I, I'm trying to think the replacement refs were easily the biggest amount. Like, they were an organized, well, unorganized amalgamation of just complete Dales. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever you thought, like, which seriously about the replacement refs, like, all oh, they were entertaining at least aside, they were Dales. I think, I think my Dale of the week goes back an, uh, an extra week. So can I, can I go back a little bit farther to catch up? Sure. I think it was in the UNI game here. Um, I saw a play that I've never seen before and probably will never see again. And I laughed so hard. Like, you're not supposed to cheer in a press box, and that's fine, but I think laughing is okay. And I laughed as hard during this play as I probably did during the replacement ref thing. I was punting, 
uh, I think up seven in the second quarter, and Connor Cornbreath kicks the ball straight in the air. I mean, literally straight up. Straight, straight. It goes, it goes about twenty-seven to thirty yards, and it bounces, and it bounces, um, at like the UNI twenty-five, and it back, and it spins backwards. Oh no! And not only does it spin back, Robbie. Not only does it spin backwards, all the Iowa guys are inside the twenty-yard line waiting for the punt to come down. Uh, So this ball spins backwards, and Connor Cornbrath had to sprint forward and down his own punt, his own punt. after uh, 11 yards. <laughs> I think that's as bad as it gets. <laughs> I've never seen uh, that before, and I will never see it again, my friend. That was unbelievable. Uh, I don't even know if I can call him a Dale. <laughs> that almost makes him a fun guy. <laughs> you know, mine has to be <laughs> almost makes him a fun guy for downing his own punt. Mine almost has to be... Either, well, okay. If we if we're gonna go back a couple weeks, I my Dale of the week might be, but it's like a good way to be a Dale. The Seahawks long snapper. <laughs> I mean, he. I've never seen something more triumphant than him marching back onto the field, somehow pouring in sweat, presumably from celebrating the win. To, to execute this this meaningless extra point. I mean, he didn't have his helmet on, so you saw his face and all the cameras are on him, and he's got the ball, and he's triumphantly marching down. And I just wondered at that time, there had to be a Dale somewhere in America that lost their fantasy football game because how she got to kick that extra point. Yeah. It's completely <laughs> conceivable. That is, that is, that is very possible. I Can, wonder if that happened to someone. I'm sure it did. I'm sure somebody somewhere started Golden Tate too. Yeah, and that would be, and that would have been a second touchdown of the game, and very conceivably could have done someone it. Yeah, I know it was like 150 million dollars changed hands on betting lines that night. Yeah. Oh, that's some cash. It's ridiculous. I think my fun guy has to be Pete Carroll. I'm going to take that. If you're going to take the long snapper, I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. I love that guy. He'd be your fun guy of the yeah, week? Yeah, he's going to be my fun guy of the week. So Connor Cornbrath is my Dale, and Pete Carroll is my fun guy. I like it. Can't, I can't complain about it at all. Complete fun guy. Unbelievable. You got to love it. Glad we're podcasting again. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Got to do it again. Um, it's gotten ugly in the past. It's going to get ugly in the future. Oh, of course. That's kind of... Guarantee it. I know that's you your know, style, not, and I just tag along, man. Right. And I'm not done with I'm not done with Akron games. Oh, so no. Please don't be. I'm going to have more. If I, more you, I, I, want, I want that clip of you um, and the Terry Bowden stuff that we did back at school. We're going to yeah. play that. We're going to play that at some point on Robbie's rant about Terry Bowden. We're going we're gonna to do that. Maybe the next couple weeks. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm down with that. Down with it. All right, buddy. man. Robbie Giuliano, right. soon hey, to be, real. soon to be. What What is your title going to be when you finish law school? Is it? It's not doctor. That's stupid. It, they, don't they do like? It's, well, I get the JD. Don't they do like? Like they sign off their emails, Esquire, <laughs> which I always associate. I like that the magazine's kind of cool. But knowing, I'm not doing the knowing, knowing your history with signatures on emails, I don't think you're going to want to put Esquire in those. 
no, no. I think my favorite one, my favorite line in one of your email signatures was uh, utility long snapper Omaha Nighthawks. <laughs> you know, lofty, lofty goals here. Yep. One eight hundred Drew Tate for Heisman. Oh yeah, that was the number, and I'm not even kidding. I might, you know what? What, what I might do is I might watch an Iowa game and do a complete podcast if you want an Iowa game. Hey, that'd be great. They've got uh, they got Michigan State in one of those like really horrible Pam Ward eleven a.m. games two weeks from now. So you know she got demoted. Really? I was I used to love listening to the Pam Ward. Oh, I love her too. Northwestern Illinois game that happens every week at noon. Indiana Purdue, yeah. Yeah, but now it's Beth Mullins and Joey Galloway. Oh, uh, see, I miss Pam yeah, Ward, man. I miss her. Right, right. But Beth Mullins and Joey Galloway—that's that little pause that you gave me after that. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> that is about right, buddy. Uh, you have a fantastic Monday evening. Hey, you too, man. This was fun. We'll we'll do it again yeah. soon. All right, sounds sort of wonderful. All right, Fun Guy Podcast. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>